Right, so I want to talk to you um, for a little bit about uh, something uh, dear to my heart. Yes, there's the clock. Um, and let's see how far we get. Is that okay? John chapter 12 and um, verse 27 through to about verse 30. The context is Jesus is explaining that he's about to die and be resurrected. And in verse 27, he says this, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Question mark. No, it was for this very reason. In other words, sometimes difficult times are in God's pathway for you, but he's going to bring something out of it. For this very reason, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. There's still glory in tough things. That's not my message, but let's remember it, seeing as we've just had a, a, a tough announcement and thought as a family there uh, about the school. Then it says, look, then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. I love this scripture. It shows us something of the mystery of this walk with God. So Jesus is speaking, and then a voice comes from heaven. Can everybody say, a voice from heaven? We're on earth trying to understand things that come from heaven. That's the whole point of this. If God was dead, we would not be doing this. This would just be a nice little sing-along and, and a talk. But our understanding is that God is alive and well. That's why broken bones get healed in schools when kids pray for them. Because God is alive and well. And we are trying to interpret. Everybody say interpret. Ooh, I just thought of a good word. Everybody say decipher. Okay, easier word, understand. Right, we're trying to understand the mysteries of an eternal God coming to earth on this little bit of earth where we live. And so Jesus is speaking and a voice thunders from heaven and says a few lines. The bit that intrigues me is the response of the people around about. The Bible says that some said it thundered. Some said it was an angel. In actual fact, it was the voice of the Father. Here's my point. God can do spiritual things, and some of us will humanize and naturalize what just went on. Some of us will spiritualize, but still not quite get it right. It's something to do with God, but don't quite understand it. Maybe it's an angel. Others will understand that was the voice of the Father. I don't know about you. I want to be the last one. I want to know what God is doing so I can cooperate with what God does. In Genesis chapter 1, God is hovering, the Bible tells us, over the face of the chaotic earth. And he's hovering, and some, some, if, you, if you go down into the language, it literally means God is fluttering over the face of chaotic, dark earth. And then it says, then he spoke, and things began to change. God can hover, he can flutter, he can, he can uh, kind of be in the atmosphere, but the most valuable place to be is to be hearing the voice of God, knowing what God is doing so that something can be created on the earth. I don't just want to be happy under the hoverings of heaven. Ooh, that was good. I want to know what God's doing and have him change my life. Anybody with me? I, 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 want, I, want, I want what God does to actually land Without the voice, without understanding, without clarity, without deciphering what God is doing. Some people feel God plenty, but it's as if God never actually lands. They can even feel God intensely. Somehow, somewhere, God's in the room. I can feel his approval, 
But what God wants to do never lands in their life. Why? Because we need understanding for what God is doing to land in our lives. Does that make sense? So I want to uh, say a few things about God moving in our lives. Um, I like the verse, don't turn to it, I'll read it real quick. Genesis 28, 16 and 17, if you're taking notes. And Jacob is having a dream. Again, he's encountering God. And this is amazing phrase. Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Yeah. Turn to the person next to you and say, we can be so thick. <laughs> Go on, I dare you, I dare you, work with me. Just please the preacher, just for this morning. Actually, now you might go, that's a really nasty thing to say. Actually, Jesus says to his disciples, are you still so dull? Everybody say, don't be dull in hell. Come on. Don't be dull in In other words, let, let's, let's begin to understand what God is doing. Let's be spiritually literate. Let's be forensic in our understanding of what God is doing among us. Because I guarantee you something is going on even in this room this morning that many of us will just naturalize. We're singing some songs and we're listening to slightly crazy guys say a few words at the front. We're in a school, sat in hull, and the kids are being looked after. We're happy. And others will go, well, no, God's doing something, but I'm not quite sure what. And others will go, I know exactly what he did this morning. And they're the ones that will reach out and realize the kingdom of heaven is at hand, grab it, pull it into their lives and walk out going, I've been in heaven this morning, something happened. See, understanding is everything. Grasping the voice of God speaking to us is everything. So I pray that maybe some that might go, oh, I don't understand it all. Get understanding, Proverbs says. Get wisdom, get understanding. It's so precious to actually grasp what God is doing. He's doing something among us, amen? And so I want to just explain one little thought. I was ministering in San Francisco some years ago, and um, I was there at the invite of a YWAM center that works in the crack zone, and I went, and I was supposed to be teaching on leadership. They should have had you, Stuart, because, you know, not really my thing, but anyway. So I turned up to teach on this, this group of evangelists on, on leadership, and uh, I teach. I'm basically teaching every morning, Monday to Friday, I think it was. Vicky was with me. And um, so I do, I do Monday morning, and it, it, it's okay, but actually, no, if I'm going to be truthful, it wasn't very good. It's, it's like there was this disconnect between me and them. It just felt like I was talking. And very strangely enough, understand that when I stand here, I never want to feel like I'm just talking. Something spiritual is going on. Again, but only those with understanding are going to pull down from heaven. This isn't a university lecture. There's a prophetic moment going on between us. But that wasn't that Monday morning. They were bored, I was bored. So I thought, I know what I'll do. Maybe they just don't get my English humor. Maybe it's my accent. So I thought, I'll, I'll throw in more funny stories. That's what I usually do, rather than pray. It shows how spiritual I am, isn't it? I should have prayed instead. But I thought, more funny stories. I'll fit stories in here. It was even worse, it was awful. And at the end, I'm going, good heavens, what's wrong with this room? So I, I decided to pray and throw in more funny stories for Wednesday. And I'm throwing them in and putting them in. Halfway through Wednesday, suddenly it dawned on me. I closed my Bible. I folded my notes on leadership. I looked at this room with about 30 people in it, something like that. And I said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? <gasps> it was like I said, hello, my name's Jezebel or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Wah! 
And, 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 it, and they said, no. And one said, we don't believe in that kind of thing. My mum and dad tell me we're not doing I'm from a Baptist church. I don't, well, I've just been at a very spirit-filled Baptist church. And um, uh, all around the room, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Oh, no, you're just a bit of a weirdo, aren't you? And no, my parents said this, and my pastor says that. And I sat there looking at them, and suddenly it had dawned on me. I got understanding, and it helped a lot. <gasps> you don't know the Holy Spirit. So I looked at them and said, let me get it right. You're a group of evangelists. And even Jesus didn't start ministering until he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But you are so awesome that you can do it without the Holy Spirit. And they looked at me. And, you know, I said, does anyone in this room speak in tongues? And there was this one lad here. And he kind of went like this. And, and you know, those sat next to him moved away a little bit. And I said, you speak in tongues? And he said, well, I, I sort of used to. And, 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 and I said, well, go on then, pray, pray in tongues. I said, what, now? Yeah, in front of everyone, pray in tongues. So it takes anyone a bit of bravery that, isn't it? But he began to pray quietly in tongues. Well, the room parted like he was a demon, you know, like this. And so I just began to teach. Let me preface this. When I first arrived, when we first arrived there, and we met various staff members, and we met the pupils, there was a reoccurring theme in the place. And we heard it again and again. Not a lot's happening around here. Nothing ever happens around here. Nothing ever happens around here. And I thought, why are they all saying this when we're having our little... No, I'm going, so how is your 10 weeks of training gone? Well, great, but not a lot has happened, but not a lot has happened. So then, of course, I had that in my armament. I said, you know how you all keep saying to me nothing ever happens around here? I know why. Because you're humanizing the gospel. You're naturalizing what this is all about. You need the Holy Spirit. Well, I preached until some of them cried at me. And I don't mean cried because the Holy Spirit was touching them. They wanted to thump me, right? But by the end of the week, we had them filled with the Holy Spirit. They were lying on the floor having visions. They were heading out on the streets, getting word of knowledge and preaching to, to hobos. And if you know what San Francisco is like, it's cool. It's wild. We got accosted, didn't we, on our last day. Somebody grabbed me by the shirt and said, I'm going to punch you. And I thought, mm, that's nice, you know. Thankfully, I was saved by a girl nearby. By the end of the week, they were going out, sharing words of knowledge and praying for healing on the streets, overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They went off to the Middle East after that, and they, they, were, they were ministering uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, they, you know, when it got a bit difficult, they all got together. They prayed for the Holy Spirit to fall on them. And they said, let's remember one of those weird stories that that British guy told. And they tell the story, then get all excited and head out again. You see, here's the thing. This will be your experience not a lot's going to happen in life without the power of the Holy Spirit moving in us. See, something very spiritual is going on here. And let me decipher something for the revived church members. And this is how I felt. As I've been on sabbatical praying about you and praying about me, this is a line that I felt. I think we only feel right as a church when there's a move of God at our core carrying us. That's who we were born to be. You see, the early church in the book of Acts, there was a move of God carrying them. And yes, there's lots of practical things going on and good leadership decisions and missional thoughts. And, but something of a river had taken them. 1 Peter 1.21 says that prophecy doesn't have its origin in man's will. It's not a human thing. That something divine is going on here where God comes and he lifts us. Everybody say carried. And he, he carries us in life. When I was, I must have been about six because we went to live abroad when I was seven. And um, 
who was a Christian in the 70s? Put your hand up, go on. Wow, isn't it great being a Christian a long time? Okay, maybe not. Um, <laughs> I remember one of the first worship bands, because of course, if you'd have come to church 40 years ago, there just would have been a piano that side and an organ that side. And his name was usually Bryn, and she was normally called Hilda or something like that. Uh, and we sang hymns like, you know, just as I am without one plea. Yeah, four of us beautiful, that's right. We, we used to sing the Our Father every time a guest speaker would come to it. But we used to sing Just As I Am Without One Plea every altar call time, I used to think, every, every week. And, but anyway, a, a radical thing happened, and one of the world's first worship teams, led by a man called Terry Law, the band was called Living Sound, turned up at the church to lead worship. And he turned up and he says, he, he set his band up and there was drums. I mean, half the church, maybe more than half, thought that the devil was in the drums. You know what I mean? It's definitely not right. And I, I remember they set up this band and, and they were leading worship. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm six years old, so I, I can't remember lots clearly, but there was a band and somehow I ended up sat on the, the front of the stage. And I, I reckon they must have told all the kids that you could come and gather around the stage and sit on the front steps and things like that. And I remember sitting, and I must have been no older than six, sitting on the steps of that stage. You see, I've been going to church since I was 10 days old. I'd already heard hundreds of sermons. I'd sung loads of songs. I'd been to loads of services. But in that little moment, I felt the electricity of heaven in the room. And I knew God wasn't a song. He wasn't a sermon. He wasn't a moral code. He was a person, a powerful, walk into the room person. That while he was omnipresent and everywhere, he could still also walk into a room. And you, are, you have to say, even though God was there before, you have to go, God's really there. <laughs> he has the capacity to pick us up as a family and go, let's go change the world. Let's have some fun. And you see, when he picks us up, Something happens that's beyond us. Um, I'm a really nice guy. Thank you, both of you. It's nice to have mum and dad back, isn't it? The rest of you, not so sure. You are too, except for the girls. You're really nice girls. We're all right people. We're all right mums and dads, and we're all right whatever we do for work. And... But without him, we've got nothing. You see, actually, no matter how hard we try, you can send me to every leadership conference in the world and I can pick up every leadership skill there is to bring back to you. And we can send our leaders everywhere. We can upskill, we can improve, we can, we can, we can get better at this, this basic human side of a thing called church, community, singing, preaching, teaching, outreach. But actually, there's, there's, there's something that I don't know about your heart, but my heart longs for that only God can provide. And it's that sense that he picks us up and we go, God is in the house. The Apostle Paul, when he is trying to tidy up the Corinthians' experience of their church services, he still says, but when an unbeliever, someone who doesn't yet know God, walks in the door, they should still fall to the floor and exclaim, God is in this place. That's what church is supposed to feel like. We forget that when Wesley preached, young men would fall out of the trees, overwhelmed by the power of God. 
We forget that Catherine Kuhlman would walk through her local airport and people would begin to fall and be overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit until the airport staff eventually said, Miss Kuhlman, please do not come to the airport. If you don't know her, she was a famous American preacher. She said, please don't come to the airport because it's chaos when you arrive. We will send a car to your house, pick you up and drop you off at the stairs of your plane. You must not walk through our airport. You see, like, like, like Peter in the Bible, some people have a sense of being carried by this, this otherworldly electricity, this sense that God is in and around them. Family, we have the opportunity to, to be a family like that. And, and if we go back through our history, it's happened again and again and again and again and again. And I feel this morning to come, and, and it was confirmed in the prayer meeting, the one that was out there, um, I feel God has come to say to us, fan into flame the gift that's within you. Fan into flame who you really are. There's a core flame. And, and you see, um, uh, you, you can't really learn Christianity in a university or from a textbook. It's a flame that burns inside of you. It's an oil. It's a water. It's a river. It's, it, it's something otherworldly. When there was a moving of God in Wales, the, the front page of the Times said something from another world is at work in Wales. Even the Times had to recognize it. There was an atmosphere. There was divine debris in the air. And this is what we were born for. It's when, it's when we feel most at home in who we are is when we sense God is in the room and he's upon us. Yeah. I remember being on a runaway horse once, running along Hunstanton Beach. Can you believe it? I'm not a horse rider at all. But a jockey friend of mine, he had this, this he, he used to fix uh, naughty horses. And he said to me one day, I've got this police horse that's uh, huge. He said, that's, that's ready for a little, little ride out on the beach. Uh, do you ride? And, and I said, yes. And he said, would you want to come out with me for a ride? I said, yes. <laughs> and we ended up on Hunstanton Beach. And, and well, he was, he was walking and trotting, but uh, I had no way of stopping my naughty police horse from heading for a gallop. So we're galloping down the beach. And, and you know, there's, there's actually a look of terror in my eyes as we career down this beach. And um, I think about that moment afterwards, the adventure of being on, on the back, being joined to, attached to, connected to something so powerful that's able to move at a speed that I can't comprehend, out of control and loving it, a sense of being attached to, to I, I love the verse, God is a warrior. You see, here's, the, here's, here's our problem, church, that those of you that think, Christian equals nice. You've got a theological problem there. You need to reread your Bible. The British church suffers with that problem. We're not meant to be nice. Our difficulty is this. We're trying to make friends with Niagara Falls. Which gives us all an issue of trying to decipher what God might be doing. But I, I, I can't teach a lesser gospel we must be a place that knows the outpouring of God's spirit and miracles and signs and wonders. We must make friends with Niagara. We must say, you're welcome in this place, Holy God. You're welcome in this place, Holy Spirit. We want you to pick us up and carry us. We don't want to play church. I'll be bored. I'd rather go play golf than play church. I'll be honest with you. Jesus said, Mark 6 or 7, he says, um, he says to the Pharisees, he's making friends like he often does, you hypocrites. Literally means you actors. Uh, he said, you worship me in vain. In other words, all that singing is completely pointless. Even, you're, even though you're using the right name, you're wasting time because you've humanized what this is all about. If God is God, if God is real, 
then he can be in a room with us and blind eyes can open and deaf ears can open as we've seen many, many times. God real. I don't want to play. So I come with a little line. This is the only line I really want you to remember is we are most at home when there's a move of God at the core of what we do. And if we just end up like dry bones in a desert, well, we've got nothing to offer the world, have we? Ezekiel 37, you can go read it afterwards if you're thinking, what do I read today? Go read Ezekiel 37, remember it, Ezekiel 37. Put it in your iPhone, Ezekiel 37. Just go read it, it's a great passage. And it's all these bones in a desert. And uh, God says to the prophet, so can this dryness live? Can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel's very sensible, because he knows he's talking to Niagara. He says, you alone know, O Lord. <laughs> in other words, I'm not even really gonna give an answer. You know. <laughs> And then God says, prophesy to the bones. And there's a rattling. And they're coming together bone upon bone as, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of bones go to find. I'm no good at the bones in the body. Name me one bone. Femur. Tibia. So is the... All right, well, when that one's trying to find that one, and can you imagine if that bone's there? What's your bone? What, just say it. Ulna. I thought that was an old lady anyway. <laughs> Phibia, somebody said FIFA and... and <laughs> could, now can you imagine if that bit's there and that bit's there and that bit's there and that bit's there and suddenly Ezekiel prophesies. You know, this is a vision now. It's, it's, it's not an occurrence. And so he, he prophesies and suddenly this bone is off hunting for that bone and that bone is off hunting for that bone and that bone is off hunting for that bone. And you know, as a church, God puts us together. That really does happen. The, Ephesians 2 uses the, uses the phrase that we are being built together. You don't church choose. God. You don't choose church. God chooses what church for you. Do you know that? Don't go church hunting. Go church following. Go finding. Go find home. You know, and, and, and if this isn't it, I'll give you the name of 10 fantastic churches in hell to go find. But really what's happening is God's connecting us to be a body that houses God by his spirit. So the bones are all connecting up. And then, uh, but the, the reality is even when there's flesh and skin on these bones, it's still dead, useless, has no power. It's kind of just a lump. It's kind of just there. Uh, and then God says to the prophet Ezekiel, now prophesy to the breath. Everybody say breath. See, there's something of a breath, of a fire, of a, of a Niagara Falls about God. There's the mystical side. There's so much more than the practical side. And as he prophesies, he says, and breath came into them. And listen how it ends. And they stood up a mighty army. See, we can put things together, but it's breath at the core of our being that makes us a mighty army. Breath must be at the core of who we are. 